Session 28 of the Law of One, and now we can talk about the logos. Let's begin. Coming from session 27, we started the questioning about the creation itself, and we got really, really deep into the creator or intelligent infinity, oneness, or however else you want to see it. This is the territory that it becomes very, very fussy to start uh, conceptualizing. And to me, this is just a point where we can only visualize things or just imagine. So. Uh, this is a good uh, preface to the whole idea that we're talking about the universe and cosmogenesis in general. This is um, territory, like I said, that uh, talks about uh, ways of explaining how things are created or exist without really explaining how it really happens. Um, we only have certain ideas and in words and concepts and so on. So um, with this very important caveat of introduction is, uh, is that we can get into the content of this session 28, talking about the logos and everything else. And it's probably going to extend into session 29 and even 30, because again, it's really hard to put this into concepts that we with our Western thought mentality can grasp in just one way. So think about it just as something that you can start visualizing and picturing yourself in a way that makes sense. Um, this is at least how I see it. This is how most people uh, approach it. And I think there's uh, there's a little um, window for, for Oriental philosophy to get in here, Hinduism and Buddhism in general, to explain the nature of reality. So. Uh, with that, hopefully it makes sense what I said, and we're going to get into the first question. And it's, I, I titled this the logos because it's mostly what, uh, uh, what they're talking about here, but there's some really good information outside of what, you know, the, the law of one concept of logos is. So, uh, we're going to get into all those details anyways. So we're going to start with the first question that Don had at the beginning. And, you know, rightfully he said, I may be backtracking a little bit and make a few false starts today because I think we're at possibly the most important part of what we are doing in trying to make it apparent through questioning how everything is one and how it comes from one intelligent infinity. This is difficult for me to do so. So please bear with my errors in questioning. So you can already see that Don was very cautious in, in approaching this topic. Uh, Don being very scientist. And he says, the concept that I have right now of the process, using both what you have told me and some of Dewey Larson's material having to do with the physics of the process, I have the concept that intelligent infinity ex expands outwards from all locations everywhere. It expands outward in every direction, uniformly like the surface of a balloon or a bubble, expanding outward from every point everywhere. It expands outward at what's called unit velocity, or the velocity of light. This is Larson's idea of the progression of what he calls space-time. Is this concept correct? 
And Ra's going to correct him and say, this concept is incorrect, as is any concept of the one intelligent infinity. This concept is correct in the context of one particular logos or love or focus of this creator, which has chosen its, shall we say, natural laws of ways of expressing them mathematically and otherwise. And see, this is why I made a very short introduction talking about the impossibility of explaining what intelligent infinity is. And even uh, the idea of the logos, it's, it's still a little bit more manageable, but still in that, uh, in that gray area. So, um, Don is approaching this from the space-time uh, idea, or at least the physics that we have of space-time, and some of time-space, and meaning you know the physical reality and scientific ways of explaining the the universe itself. And you can see, as we're going to see further in this this uh, this session, that. There is a limitation in, in terms of what the creation is and the origin of the creation. Uh, the creation is everything that exists and everything that we can talk about. The origin is what we can talk about because there's no way, there's simply a uh, philosophical paradox there that um, there is no way of having the two. It's like talking about duality in oneness, it doesn't exist. So. Um, this is why Ra says this concept is incorrect, as is any concept of intelligent infinity. If you know some of Oriental philosophy, like say uh, Chinese Tao, you would know that there is no way to describe or conceptualize the Tao. The Tao is just the flow of nature. It's just how things uh, simply exist, uh, are. I mean, see, I can't really say it. <laughs> it's just, it's just nature itself. It's just how. It happens, and uh, intelligent infinity is the same way. Uh, same as the idea of oneness in Buddhism, there is um, th there is no need to conceptualize it because there's nothing to find there. This is um, this, it's it's irrelevant actually to start talking about this, and uh, it's a good way to also remember in the last session when Ra said that um, we should say, uh, appreciate the creator from, or worship, even though the word worship to me sounds a little too, you know, religious, but worshiping in the same, in the way of contemplation of appreciating the creator as love, the creative principle of love and not as intelligent infinity or oneness or none of that stuff. So again, uh, Ra is saying, you know, this concept is correct though, in the context of one particular logos, and we're gonna get deeper into what the logos is, or love or focus of this creator, which has chosen its, shall we say, natural laws of way experiencing mathematically and otherwise. Meaning that the expression of intelligent infinity, the manifestation of intelligent infinity into the, uh, the creation is what we can say, okay, yeah, this concept is correct in the way that Don was describing it, that it expands outwardly uh, from everywhere, from every point in the creation. That's just how it is. You can imagine intelligent infinity almost like, and this is just, again, for visualization, the whole creation is the surface of a globe or of a balloon. And like Don said, intelligent infinity could be the air, in this case, inflating the balloon and making everything expand outwards or seemingly outward. And that's just how 
we cannot conceptualize the air itself, but we can conceptualize the expansion of it. And every single point being, say, in this case, as they say, the logos, love, or the focus of the creator, the focus of the air expanding at that point in the balloon, of the surface of the balloon. So, hope that makes sense. And that's where we can actually uh, make take measurements on the surface of the balloon, but not inside, not the air, none of that. Uh, and again, this is a very, very crude uh, analogy just to put it into context, but that's what we're talking about now. And Intelligent Infinity, again, is everything. But the one Intelligent Infinity that they explained before is the one that can be conceptualized, in this case, would be the air inflated balloon. Whereas, uh, you know, Intelligent Infinity expressed as the creation is something that we can talk about potentially as something that is potential for us to use. Uh, I hope that makes sense. This is very heavy material and uh, we can only just kind of, you know, dance around this stuff and hope that it makes sense. But it's, uh, so far, that's what we have. Ra has more to say, so we're going to go into what they have to say. And they say, the one undifferentiated intelligent infinity, unpolarized, full and whole, is the macrocosm of the mystery-clad being. We are messengers of the law of one. Unity at this approximation of understanding cannot be specified by any physics, but only activated or potentiated intelligent infinity due to the catalyst of free will. This may be difficult to accept. However, the understandings we have to share begin and end in mystery. Once again, uh, just um, just to put, put a little bit more color into this, uh, same thing that I say uh, before, or at least within my model, uh, the one undifferentiated intelligent infinity, unpolarized, fallen whole, is the macrocosm of the mystery clan being. That being the intelligent infinity that we cannot describe, that we cannot conceptualize. That is what's inflating the balloon. It's what's creating everything. But it's beyond this, uh, beyond space time and time space. It's way out there. It created everything and it's just the potential. So they say we're messengers of the low one saying, listen, we are from sixth density and so far from here, unity looks as, uh, you know, it cannot be, uh, a disapproximation of understanding cannot be specified by any physics. You know, from here we cannot say what unity is. You know, in terms of physics, we cannot understand it. Um, only be activated or potentiated, meaning that they know that there is a uh, a shuttle or a, um, a a channel in which we, as even us beings, we have this. And I'll put the analogy say. They are sixth density, meaning that they are at the sixth density of the octave in the creation. So they are at the gateway of intelligent infinity. They're connecting there. They're physically, if you want to use that term in, in, in time space, they're physically at a point of uniting with the creator. So they can only um, perceive the potential that is being drawn at that point in the same way we are, again, we are a hologram of the whole creation. That's why we have seven chakras, the seven densities. And through the third eye or the indigo ray is where we connect with intelligent infinity, that one undifferentiated intelligent infinity. I want you to know that this is not that something, this, this is not something that we will achieve in the future somehow. It exists all over the place. It exists, intelligent infinity permeates this reality. And we don't see it, we cannot measure it, 
but we are connected to it. Imagine as a tether. We're tethered to it from our third eye. And from there, we can potentiate or use the potential of intelligent infinity to create, to do what we do. Meditation, that's where you go to. Third eye connects you there. It draws the potential uh, away from the mind that is here. <laughs> the mind is a creation of this universe. So the third eye, it's really what's connecting you to intelligent infinity. And again, it's just a, a fuel, air, as I said. We can draw from that. So that's what they're saying. Uh, intelligent infinity due to the catalyst of free will. Of course, just like with our free will, we can use the potential of intelligent infinity. They also uh, say the same thing. You know, it can be potentiated by free will, which is really the first distortion of uh, the whole creation and is the one that creates everything. So, or the, the one creative principle, right? So... Uh, they say this may be difficult to accept. Yes, it's difficult to kind of, uh, again, you know, put into into ideas or put into 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 our minds. Uh, but however, the understandings we have to share begin and end in mystery. Of course, the beginning of the creation is a mystery because it comes from undifferentiated intelligent infinity, and it ends again as a circle does in intelligent infinity. The whole creation does a loop, and it goes back to the creator. So. Um, again, hope you're following me here because it's uh, it's really hard to put into words, to be fully honest. So Don says in question two, well, we had yesterday arrived at a point where we were considering colors of light. You said that the nature of the vibratory patterns of your universe is dependent upon the configurations placed on the original material, or light, by the focus of love using its intelligent energy to create a certain pattern of evolutions or intensities or densities then after this material you said that there's further information which you would be happy to share but we ran out of time could you complete the further information on that Ra says in discussing this information we then shall we say snap back into the particular methods of understanding or seeing that which is that the one sound vibration complex Dewey offers this being correct for the second meaning of intelligent infinity the potential which then through catalyst forms kinetic this information is a natural progression of inspection of the kinetic shape of your environment you may understand each color or ray as being as we had said a very specific and accurate a portion of intelligent energies representation of intelligent infinity each ray having been previously inspected in other regards okay so we're talking about color again here and um the reason why we have colors is for perception. Perceptually, we have uh, colors, just like we have a spectrum of sound and uh, all kinds of spectrums in, say, the the way we perceive reality. So, colors again is just a representation of that one uh, intelligent energy and the way we perceive it is created by the logos. We talked about this before in the last session. So uh, the natural progression of inspection of the kinetic shape of your environment is it's that information as we perceive it. And uh, colors is just that. It's just light, undifferentiated light is white light. And then it breaks down into seven. And that's how, uh, say, unity gets expressed into, into the, the seven 
densities and that's why we live in or how they explain everything is a sub octave of everything so how we perceive uh, light is in the same way because light is one of the creative principles that again you know everything is light everything is energy everything that we are is uh, it's light packed in a way that it doesn't it doesn't uh it's not so bright <laughs> so we can perceive matter as it is but when you break it down to the and this is what we see you know in quantum physics when we break it down we only see that it's energy and energy is light so because of the different vibratory patterns that they have matter becomes something that it's perceivably solid this is why the whole universe is uh is an illusion This is why uh, Ra said in session one, you are dancing thoughts. You are not you're not part of a material universe. This is all a big hologram of the creator. And in every single particle, there exists the, the whole fractalized system of the creation. So colors is just another uh, feature of our universe. Universe being even, as they say, our physical universe, third density. Every density could be considered a universe because it's perceived differently depending on your uh, your level of consciousness again So this is why uh, anything that is perceived metaphysically through uh, psychedelic experiences or through visions or through transcendental experiences or anything else people describe them as more vivid or more real than real because that level of consciousness allows them to see or perceive reality in a different way and light is a lot more alive so people see wow you know this is way more real than this dense reality where everything is so heavy and so uh, uh, so just solid so it's uh, it's a completely different way to see reality if you've had any of those experiences you would know what I'm talking about so Uh, this is just just how it is so in terms of colors that's just you know the presentation of intelligent energy as it is so Ra has more to say so let's go to that they say this information may be of aid here we speak now non-specifically to increase the depth of your conceptualization of the nature of what is the universe in which you live is recapitulation in each part of intelligent infinity Though thus you will see the same patterns repeated in physical and metaphysical areas. The rays or portions of light being, as you surmise, those areas of what you may call the physical illusion, which rotate, vibrate, or are of a nature that may be, shall we say, counted or categorized in rotation manner in space-time, as described by the one known as Dewey. So once again, this is Joel's... Uh, I mean, it's... See, this is... Uh, this is information that can get you really uh, confused and distracted into what uh, the real uh, deal is in terms of learning and using our time for uh, for absorbing these concepts and what it really means to us because it's almost like science and it actually is like science because Don is trying to bring it to To that context and rise given you know a good answer but at the same time it's almost like giving you know uh zen buddhism answers it's like it's deviating from from the real question getting into uh things that don't make sense and are not really important but 
and the way that they're describing it is you know like this is light as we perceive it is is like i said is that energy that's creating everything and in some cases um uh, it could be could be said say uh, those areas what you may call the physical illusion which rotate vibrate or are of a nature that may be shall we say counted or categorized in rotation manner in space-time that's what they're talking about i mean it's um it's it's the nature in which light or energy is creating matter and expressing colors by the same token because as light shines on it it reflects back those uh those colors of the spectrum and this is as you know from from uh, plain physics you know every color is absorbing or every material is absorbing some colors and reflecting some uh, so say the the sky is blue because there is a refraction of that blue uh, wavelength that is being bounced up in the the molecules that that make up the atmosphere and create the color blue but it is light it's pure light and every single material solid material that we have it's reflecting different colors so again i don't want to linger too much here because uh, we can get into some of the physics about how matter is really and uh, how the platonic solids actually are the basis of the whole uh, vibration and patterns that create everything. But it's, uh, it's, it's really irrelevant to what we're going to talk about here. So this is just physics, again, that uh, may be too confusing in the end and not really productive. So just for people that are really nerdy, I guess. So Ra finishes and says, some substances having various of the rays in a physical manifestation visible to the eye, this being apparent in the nature of your crystallized minerals, which you count as precious, the ruby being red and so forth. Again, see, just another example, material stuff reflects certain colors because they're made up of these vibrations and that's just how it is. The nature of physics, I guess, according to Ra. Alright, so next question is Don saying, This light that occurred as a consequence of vibration, which is a consequence of love. I'm going to ask if that statement is right, is that correct? And Ra says, this is correct. Uh, and again, now Don is going into what they, he says, This light that occurred as a consequence of vibration. Now that he's going to the creative principle of when we explained in the last video. If you didn't watch the last video, session 27, I highly recommend that you go back because there's going to be some stuff that uh, was explained there. So go back, watch that, and then come back here. Um, so yeah, uh, light, the light that occurred, this light is the manifested one. This light is the one that exists here in the universe. So that is a consequence of vibration which that vibration is a consequence of love, capital L, which is the creative principle. Free will, love, light creates the universe. I'm going to ask if that statement is correct. Ra said, yes, it's correct. Meaning that, again, light was a consequence of a vibration and which vibration was a consequence of love. So <laughs> reverse engineering here, love created the vibration or pattern by which light could manifest as a potential of intelligent energy and intelligent infinity potentiating everything. So that's just how it is. Potential, uh, intelligent infinity through the act of free will goes through love, which is the filtering nature, just how I like to describe it. And from love, it creates the different patterns and vibrations that create light 
and that's the physical light that we see physical material everything everything the universe so <laughs> um, there's no other way I can describe it better so far <laughs> maybe in the future all right so Don says okay this light then can condense into material as we know it in our density into all of our chemical elements because of rotations of the vibration at quantized intervals or units or angular velocity is this correct this is quite correct says Ra and again see now we're going into the abstract of thinking of intelligent infinity to uh, free will creating the uh, creative principle of love or through love creating light and that light manifests into the universe into this physical universe metaphysical as well so um, we're not talking about time space and metaphysics we're talking about the creation in general metaphysics or uh, what we call time space and space time all comes from this creative principle of intelligent infinity going through the act of free will and love to to uh, create light as a potential for everything else. So we're going from that abstract to the question that Don asks, if this light now through the different quantized intervals and vibration creates the elements as we know, them, the chemical elements. Yes, this is quite correct because the light starts vibrating in different patterns. If you see, uh, uh, say, a hydrogen atom, it's vibrating at a different way than say a carbon item or oxygen or plutonium or any other element it's the same light energy moving in patterns which again spoiler alert is geometrical and we have seen this in cymatics and other types of scientific measurements where we see that the nature of uh, patterns and vibrations it has to do with frequencies and so these frequencies, and this is why Don was asking in the last session if there was this one frequency of love. And Ra said this is kind of incorrect because love as capital L does not have a frequency. It's a strength that creates all the possibilities of this chemical elements. And those elements now are able to bind with each other to create molecules. And these molecules will bind with each other to create all sorts of molecules, which creates protein, DNA, so on and so forth that's life but this is the beginning the beginning of everything comes from light and light vibrating in different patterns different geometrical uh, you can see this um it, imagine like lego pieces <laughs> just different lego pieces that are created by the different vibrations that capital l love created as a possible vibration that makes up the different elements so that's what we have so far. Now we're into the physical universe. <laughs> At least the chemical one that we're talking about. So, all right. Don says, thank you. I am wondering, what is the catalyst or the activator of the rotation? What causes the rotation so that light condenses into our physical or chemical elements? Good question. So Ra says, it is necessary to consider the enabling function of the focus known as love. This energy is of an ordering nature. It orders in a cumulative way for from greater to lesser to that when its universe, as you may call it, is complete. So that when its universe, as you may call it, is complete, the matter of development for each of each detail is inherent in the living light and thus will develop in such and such a way. Your own universe having been well studied in a, an empirical fashion by those you call your scientists and having been understood or visualized shall we say, 
with greater accuracy by the understanding or visualizations of the one known as Dewey. Really heavy stuff, but we have already the background or the terrain that we settle already <laughs> with all my talking for the past 27 minutes. So, um, this is, uh, Ra explaining again that there is a, um, love is of an ordering nature. So love is really what order things from, uh, from the beginning. I love to say that, and this is just a parenthesis here, the whole creation is made out of order. The cosmos is order. Everything from the foundation is order. Vibrations and patterns that do not uh, distort themselves. We are the ones distorting it, and that is the fun of it. Hmm? So, um, this ordering nature comes from the creative principle of love. So, love tells light to behave in different ways. This is the ordering nature, right? We already uh, established that. So, um, so, this is from greater to lesser, this is something we'll explore later on. So, uh, that when its universe is complete, the matter of development of each detail is inherent in the living light. So, the living light already has the fractalized way of uh, creating everything. It has all, it's almost like the DNA. The DNA has already, boom, everything that you need to know is right there. You go and create a living being. So, the same thing happens here. And... Um, so it develops in such and such a way, your own universe having been well studied. Okay, so yeah, we, we have studied this already in our science and we know all these patterns and things that happen and has been greatly uh, visualized and understood by the one known as Dewey Larson. Uh, I'm not very familiar with the uh, physics of Dewey Larson, but Ra seems to vouch for its physics. If you are really interested in the physics, I would highly recommend Dewey Larson. I'm gonna leave a link into the reciprocal system uh, website, which is the one that deals with Dewey Larson's theories and books and all that stuff. I've read only so much of him and it's just, um, it's too scientific for me. It has too much of that, um, of that context that it's not really for me, but if you want to go deeper into it, go ahead. Uh, but you don't really have to. Uh, it's, it's really a way of understanding the physical universe as we know it. Uh, to a greater degree, but it's not really necessary for, for practical purposes and knowing how the creation is is really um, uh, created. <laughs> it's um, it's quite enough just to know this stuff, uh, to me at least. If you just want to go, uh, then go balls to the wall with this. Just please leave me a comment when you do, because I want to learn from you. <laughs> Alright, so, let's go to the next question. Don says, when does individualization or the individualized portion of consciousness come into play? How does this individualization occur? And at what point does individualized consciousness take over in working on the basic light? Really good question. Ross says, you remain carefully in the area of creation itself. In this process, we must further confuse you by stating that the process by which free will acts upon potential intelligent let me say that again. Um, you remain carefully in the area of creation itself. In this process, we, may, we must further confuse you, confusing me, <laughs> by stating that the process by which free will acts upon potential intelligent infinity to become focused intelligent energy takes place without the space-time of which you are so aware, as it is your continuum experience. Let me untangle this one. I may be getting ahead of myself to the next slide, but 
whatever. <laughs> as long as we get it right, that's all that matters. Um, okay, so we are talking about consciousness, and we're seeing consciousness as something, or Don is saying, saying is like, when does consciousness starts working on, you know, the creation, or when does it become, you know, conscious? And Ra says, like, we must further confuse you by saying, which is not really confusing, already establishing the abstract of intelligent infinity through the trinity of free will, love, and light to create, boom, the prism that we know as the creation. Um, we know that that's the abstract side behind metaphysics, or I keep saying metaphysics, time, space, and and space-time, which is really time, time, space is metaphysics in its own way, uh, or most of it, that's what we call it. So uh, those two that create this reality, two sides of the same coin, space-time and time-space, or physics and metaphysics, uh, they come from that abstract trinity that is coming from the potential of intelligent infinity uh, through free will, love, and light to create this. So. They say, you know, we must further confuse you in this area uh, by stating that the process by which free will acts upon potential intelligent infinity to become focused intelligent energy, okay, the process, takes place without the space-time of which we are aware. Okay, so that's all they're saying there. Pretty simple. All of that's happening is uh, be behind space-time and time-space as well. So, process the experience or existence of space-time comes into being after the individuation process of Logos, or love, has been completed and the physical universe, as you would call it, has coalesced or begun to draw inward while moving outward to the extent that which you call your sun bodies have, in their turn, created timeless chaos coalescing into what you call planets. These vortices of intelligent energy, spending a large amount of what you would call first density in a timeless state, space-time realization being one of the learned teachings of this density of beingness. All right, that's pretty self-explanatory. Let's go to the next slide. I'm kidding. <laughs> My God. Okay, so the experience or existence of space-time, and this is kind of answering the question. Let's go back to Don's uh, question just to put a little bit more context. So Don said, when does individualization or the individualized portion of consciousness come into play? How does these this individualization occur and at what point does individualized consciousness take over in working on the basic light? So for from the way Don is asking the question, I can um, I can see that he was asking about this consciousness. When does consciousness actually starts taking uh, you know charge of of the creation itself? So Ra says, no 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 that happens behind space-time, time-space. Um, and then they say, the experience or existence, us, experiences everything that's happening in both space-time and time-space. Everything that is a distortion of intelligent infinity is an experience. So they are saying, the experience or existence of space-time comes into being after the individuation process of Logos. Logos, as we're going to explore, or love has been completed, or the physical universe, as you would call it, has coalesced, or become drawn. Okay, let me make a pause here and talk about the Logos. The Logos is that portion of consciousness or portion of intelligent infinity manifested in a way that's going to create patterns 
in the physical universe around them. So the galaxy is the logos, is the main logos of our uh, lenticular system, all the star systems that we have. So that is the logos, the main logos, not of the universe, just of the Milky Way. Every galaxy has its own uh, logos. So that logos or love has been completed. Once that has been completed, then uh, uh, like this, as you would call it, okay, has coalesced or begun to draw inward while moving outward. Inward meaning that it's calling into itself. So it's it's um, it's starting the cycle. So a circle also goes inward, meaning that it's going to itself in, at any point. It's almost like a sphere. A sphere is going inward as well, right? It's contracting. So it's it's hard to to use it in, in terms of geometry or anything that we see here because we're at that point where the unmanifested becomes manifested, and as it goes outward, it's also drawing inward, which is the uh, the densities of consciousness that we see, even though it's going out into manifestation, is drawing in again into the creator or uh, the next octave itself. So this is. Hopefully you can visualize it this way, but that's what they're saying that as uh, as it becomes drawn inward while moving outward to the extent that which you call the sun bodies have in their turn created timeless chaos coalescing into what we call planets. Okay, so this is the point where the, pl the the sun itself is creating the planets because the planets are like they say vortices of intelligent energy spending a large amount of time what you would call first density in a timeless state. So that is the timeless state in which energy hasn't really uh, become aware of itself and it's, it, its first density. It's like our chakras, the root chakra. We still don't know ourselves. We have no idea. We're just, we're trying to figure that out. It's basic survivability. This is why, you know, in a survival mode, you are, uh, people would say to you, you know, I couldn't recognize you you know that wasn't you who acted there of course it wasn't you it was just very instinctual response so the same thing is happening with the planets here as the suns are trying to create them as these vortices of intelligent energy are trying to figure out what's going on part of the process of the evolution of the universe or the galactic system and it's very interesting what they say uh, spending a large amount of what you would call first density in a timeless state because they're not aware of themselves, there is no time, there's nothing, and energy itself. The space-time realization being one of the learned teachings of this density of beingness. So space-time is where uh, time is already like, oh, okay, now we have a time, now we have a process going on, now we have a blueprint through which we're going to go through. Um, and this is the realization. Now, to give you an example, I believe it was in session uh, five or six or somewhere around there. Or no, actually, I think it was session 11 or somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> I'll probably put a link in the description to that session. Uh, maybe it was 13. I don't know. <laughs> in a previous session, I talked about uh, or Ra talked about a planet that's being formed behind the sun or on the other side of the sun. And it's invisible to us. Why? Because it hasn't realized itself. It's in first density. It's not really matter yet. So it's intelligent energy coalescing into this new planet that is forming there. So that's how it goes. This is all I can extrapolate and take out from this. 
But again, this is the experience and what Don asked, consciousness. I mean, see what a question about the creation or at this point of the abstract way of how the universe works to us perceivably can go into so many tangents and rabbit holes that they're not really rabbit holes. It's just, it's just really hard to put into, um, into context. And this is why we shouldn't spend too much time, even though it's fascinating. Uh, it's good, you know, for knowledge. It's good for uh, having ways to realize how this universe actually works behind the veil of physics and the, the limitations of reductionist science. You know, it, it, does, it does help a lot. And I'm like, again, I'm not bashing reductionist science. I just think that is limited, like everything else. So this helps you at least, it's almost like an exercise for your brain, but it doesn't really help much in what's really important, which is our evolution of us as a soul. But hey, you know, if you're here, it's for a reason. So <laughs> I'm going to guess that uh, you were meant to be here and listen to all the stuff that I'm saying, if you're still here after 40 minutes. So Ra has something else to say. And they say, thus we have difficulty answering your questions with regard to times and space and their relationship to the, what you would call, original creation, which is not a part of space-time, as you can understand. Okay, so yeah, see, Ra is finishing up with a really good point. <laughs> Everything that I just said, uh, yeah, they have a really hard time answering the questions, you know, in terms of time and space, because it has nothing to do with time and space. It's just how everything was created. Uh, from the potential of intelligent infinity going through the creative principles of love, light, and free will. So, boof, that's it. Uh, I think we're going now into a more practical question where Don says, Thank you. Does a unit of consciousness, an individualized unit of consciousness, create, say, a unit of the creation? I will give an example. Would one individualized consciousness create one galaxy of stars, the type that has many millions of stars in it? Does this happen? Ra says, this can happen. The possibilities are infinite. Thus, a Logos may create what you call a star system. Or it may be the Logos creating billions of star systems. This is the cause of the confusion in the term galaxy, for there are many different Logos entities or creations. and we call we would call each using your sound vibration complexes a galaxy we've had this uh problem before we've tried to clarify it a couple of times meaning you know don with Ra, and now they're saying why they have a difficulty um using the term galaxy because the way they see it every single logos or sub logos as we'll see uh, they have the possibility of creating everything uh, the whole universe if they want to this is the potential that exists remember you know uh, we have we have this this idea of levels or hierarchies if you're in four density then you're superior to me that's not how it works uh, and you know I'm not saying you think that I know you're smarter than that uh, but we have this inherent thing and this is just our society we, we were raised on this so um, to know that anything especially uh, an individualized point of consciousness like us we can tap into intelligent infinity uh, willingly by free will we have the possibility of creating a whole universe of course we need to raise our consciousness for that <laughs> we don't have that power yet for really good reasons um, but we do have that power we have that 
I don't want to say the word power. It's also another word that can be used semantically wrong, but potential. We have the potential of creating universes because uh, we as a fractalized version of the creator, we have that tapping ability from intelligent infinity. So um, for uh, you conspiracy theories out there who talk about uh, artificial intelligence and are into all that stuff, this is a good you know relief system to uh, for you to know that AI and the takeover of AI cannot tap intelligent infinity because it's not connected to it. So see, we are not that we're superior, but we are gods. We are the god. Uh, creative principle we are attached to it whereas anything mechanical is just a creation of you know, humans and third density uh, creatures so it's it's almost like pets uh, AI is a pet in the universe uh, it's not even a pet our pets are connected and tethered to intelligent infinity so I don't know I just wanted to throw that in because a lot of people are very neurotic about AI and we're gonna take over the world and it's going to take over my consciousness and you know i mean if you want to buy into the fear mongering that's uh, that's okay that's part of the experience that we have here but yeah just a little relief there uh, we are we are the universe in that sense not in the sense of you know the the uh, the western uh, christian god sense you know <laughs> we all are the universe so again uh, the Logos entities or creations call each, uh, they can, yes, we can create galaxies and stars and all that stuff. So this can happen, you know, a Logos. So say the sun can create its own galaxy eventually. It does have its own galaxy with all the planets. It's, it's almost like a mini galaxy, right? But it can continue to expand. The sun become uh, a bigger, uh, say, entity and creates or even more stars around it that would continue to expand this because planets can become stars and you can see how the galaxy spreads out this way so this can happen all right so next question uh, getting close on time here don says let's take as an example the planet that we're on now and tell me how much of the creation was created by the same logos that created this planet Ross says, this planetary logos is a strong logos, creating approximately 250 billion of your star systems for its creation. The, shall we say, laws of physical ways of this creation will remain, therefore, constant. Okay, very important to mention this here. Uh, the planetary logos that we have here is the same one as the galaxy. So our galactic logos is the one that created everything here in the galaxy. That makes sense. And... Um, they say, the laws or physical ways of this creation will remain therefore constant. Meaning that the laws, which I'm not familiar and I don't think many people are familiar with, or anybody, to be honest, those laws that the galactic logos set or put forth into its own creation are spread out around or across the whole galaxy. So we, our neighbors, everybody, sharing the same laws as the logos. And uh, you can see, you can already see the the the, um, the connection, the attachment, or attachment is not a good word, the connection that we have and similarities we have with everybody else around in terms of the galactic logos. And even though the logos, as you will see in uh, in in future questions. The logos itself is not separate from other logos. So this galaxy is not separate from other galaxies. 
everything evolves at the same time. In fact, I'll give you a little uh, insight on, on further stuff that's going to be talked about in The Law of One. The veil was put in the whole creation at the same time. Because at some point, a Logos realized that, and that information spread out instantaneously throughout all the galaxies, and they all created veils around their third density planets. So, that's how this works. But every Logos has, it's almost like you have your own set of Lego pieces, and you say, okay, with this Lego pieces, I'm going to create different types of things. But they all have different Lego pieces, right? But they have uh, the same conditions that were set forth by the creator itself, which is something that we don't know. Beyond that, we have no idea. Uh, but it's infinity, so we can experience ourselves the way it is. So, uh, hope you're still with me, and this is not like too uh, uh, turning you off too much, because um, yeah, I mean, this is fascinating to me, just because I love to visualize the cosmos itself. But again. I'll repeat it, not very useful for evolution, but just to go out, go out of our minds, actually. Go out of our minds, which is a good thing, so, you know. It's actually important. When you meditate, you're supposed to go out of your mind. I'll leave you that. All right, next question. Don says, then what you're saying is that the lenticular star system, which we call a galaxy, that we find ourselves in with approximately 250 billion other suns like our own was created by a single logos. Is this correct? Ra says this is correct. And Don says now, since there are many individualized portions of consciousness in this lenticular galaxy, did this logos then subdivide into more individualization of consciousness to create these consciousnesses or divide into these consciousnesses? Ra says, you are perceptive. This is also correct, although an apparent paradox. Don says, could you tell me what you mean by an apparent paradox? And Ra says, I, uh, it would seem that if one Logos creates the intelligent energy ways... I'll say that again. It would seem that if one Logos creates the intelligent energy ways for a large system, there would be there would not be the necessity of possibility of the, few, of the further sub-Logos differentiation. However, within limits, this is precisely the case, and it's perceptive that it has been seen. Ah, Don. See why I take Don into my heart and love him so much? The guy's, guy was really perceptive. Really perceptive. Because even though uh, for Ra uh, seemed like a, like a paradox, um, it's, uh, it's completely reasonable for us, as far as now we can understand it. And see, um, in a way, Ra was surprised that Don picked this up because um, what Don was saying is that, okay, so this Logos, meaning the galaxy, will subdivide itself into different star systems, which in in turn will create their own thing, like I explained. And Ra said, yeah, even though it's, an, it's a paradox. And Don says, what do you mean it's a paradox? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's not a paradox to me. And Ra says, well, because, you know, it would seem that if one Logos creates intelligent uh, energy ways for a large system, then it wouldn't need, you know, to uh, subdivide itself into further sub-logos. But this does in fact happen, because it does make sense. Think about it, if the galaxy itself, 
the logos, right? The center of the galaxy, the, the central sun of the galaxy wants to experience itself and it puts out a blueprint and say, okay, these are the rules of the game. Now, I want to create other things that can play with that and create their own little systems. And that way it randoms or randomizes the whole creation or the whole galaxy itself. And this is precisely what happens. So Don was perceptive to pick that up and say, yeah, you know, this is how it should be. Makes sense. Just like our planet is becoming individualized again from the sub logos that is the sun. Again, central sun, galaxy is the logos. Star systems, sun, our soul is one of them. And it's a sub logos and it creates its own uh, little galaxy of planets. Those planets then create themselves into individualized portions of consciousness, which is us, by the way. We are the planets. Um, and then from there, we can individualize and create, possibly, potentially, a star system. And that's just how the universe expands outwardly, but drawing inwardly. And because this is the last question, that's how I'm going to end it, and that's how I'm going to conclude it. So, formally, conclusions because we came from the point of the abstract like i said of the trinity between um how intelligent infinity potentiates itself or manifests itself into free will or through free will uh love and light creation itself it goes out into what we call sun bodies these sun bodies or we can call it sun bodies without calling it stars. The central sun in the galaxy is a sun body. So it manifests there boof, as light. And that light is coming out of intelligent infinity. It's coming out. It's expanding out. And its whole idea is to create experience. That experience is what we know as the octaves that we are in right now. Meaning the octave of this beautiful uh, seven densities that we're still going to explore because we're still in third density. So the sun creates the octave and it creates it in different ways. It depends on your star system. So if you want to go experience a different third density, go to another planet. I guarantee you it's going to be a very different planet. I mean, that's just logical. <laughs> but it's going to have different rules. Maybe, you know, things are a little bit different there. I don't know how. I don't think the laws of physics as we know it, I think they are the same across this galaxy. Uh, but that's just my humble opinion. I don't know. Go check it out and leave it in the comments if you go there. <laughs> you can go telepathically, maybe. I don't have those powers. So in any case, uh, that's the expansion of the universe. That is the soul, or the sun, creating the suns, the stars, creating their own planets to have experiences. Those experiences, in turn, go back. And that's why it's drawing inward. It's like the outbreath of the Brahman. The Hindu Brahman, it goes out and then it goes back in as the experiencers, which is, are us, go through the seven densities of consciousness and go back. So the sun, the stars are actual portals into intelligent infinity because it's coming out of intelligent infinity. It goes back into intelligent infinity. And I'm not going to give you a spoiler alert, but we're going to talk about black holes and what that actually means because that's really fascinating too, to know, but I'm not gonna talk about it here. 
Conclusions is that, that we are in the process of the inward seeking of intelligent infinity. Intelligent infinity is calling to us and we are tethered to intelligent infinity through our third eye by developing as much as possible the energy that goes through us, this prana that goes through us from the bottom top, then we can balance ourselves to experience consciousness in all its manifestations so we can draw really heavily from intelligent infinity. It doesn't matter if you do it negatively or positively. I don't really care <laughs> whether you're positive or negative beings. That's your own, uh, uh, your own experience and your own decision. But you do go through the process of potentiating this little ray here, the indigo ray, to connect to intelligent infinity and draw potential from there to manifest your own evolution. So that's how it goes. We are in this process. We are seeking that. Everything else that we see in this society, culture, and what's going on in the news, especially in the news, have you watched the news lately? <laughs> Gods, I hope not. Um, everything else is just a distraction, which is fine. It's all part of the creation. It's, it's, it's an experience. But um, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, then it's good to know, at least from this macroscopic view of the universe, what is actually happening, how intelligent infinity decided to manifest itself into the creation and in this creation just experience itself into uh, what it is. I'm looking at the clock, it's 444 um, synchronicity and it's time to finish this up saying that um, that's it, you know, look inward, inward is the path and I hope this was helpful in some way even though it's a big distraction of the one job or work that we come here to do, which is evolve in consciousness. Uh, but if it gives a little bit more of, you know, a geographical view of the cosmos, uh, just to bask on the beauty of the universe, then I've done my job. And if not, I did it as well because I just feel good with myself. <laughs> with that, I leave you. We're going to cover more of this stuff in part two of this session 28. And we're going to continue talking about this fascinating topic of the creation itself, intelligent infinity, the logos, the sub logos, and other stuff. So I'll see you there. Thank you so much for watching. As always, love you so much.